0: Podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.
1: Hey, I'm Jordan. That's Lauren, and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. really does mean that we're getting old that after one relatively calm night out that we're both absolutely knackered
2: i'm not i don't think last night was a calm night out
1: compared to uh, compared to our youth i'll probably say it was maybe a little more
2: compared to being actually like 17 (laughs) yes it was calm but i think Okay, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, it probably was quite calm. We went to two places (laughs) and ended up drinking Smyrna Fice. Yes. So, yeah, pretty damn calm.
1: (laughs) And, yeah, welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. I'm Jordan.
2: I'm Lauren.
1: And we are the podcast... We are the film podcast that gives you... <laughs> we are the
2: podcast. Yes, the only one. The, there's no others, so we no. stick with us, sorry.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we are the film podcast that gives you all the, the nice nutrition, li- movie, everything. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying there, but here we are. I'm going so to stick with it. But yeah, we're here for another week. Yes. And as we always do, we cover two movies. Yes. Over one subject or theme. Mm-hmm. And what are we doing this week?
2: We are doing films about cults. Yes. So, cult films, but not
1: cult, cult films. films.
2: <laughs> Does that makes sense? Films about cults. cults. Yeah. Which yeah. I really liked, but then I realised everything that I uh, had watched was a documentary about a cult. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh... uh it's not really a film film
1: we 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 can have documentaries, um,
2: I know, but like it's not
1: I know I know what you're meaning yeah. I know what you' meaning,
2: so I do think I've possibly watched every single cult thing or about cult yeah. thing on Netflix <laughs> going, I love a good cult,
1: yes, but you're not part of any
2: but I'm not part of any, that any is good cults. that is good,
1: yes. But no, so we, I mean, should we get into what we chose? So what have you chosen for this week's film? I have
2: picked the...
1: As she yawns.
2: <laughs>
1: that is not what she thought of the film, hopefully, but... It's a long film. <laughs> uh,
2: I have picked the 2012 Paul Thomas Anderson film, The Master.
1: Yes. And I chose the 2011 film, Sound of My Voice.
2: Yes. Yes, she did.
1: Uh, and I mean, do we have any housekeeping that we need to get on, or should we just get on with it?
2: Uh, no, I don't think we have any housekeeping. We're very boring this
1: week. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think all we can really see is get involved in social media's Instagram. Yes. We're at, at his film her movie podcast. Yes. Twitter is at his film her movie. Give us an email on hf podcast at gmail.com. Tell us how you are. We will reply.
2: We will reply because it'll be me and it'll be, I like, I like my social media. Aye. I'm usually always on it. <laughs> also, we should give a little plug out to the website. Yes. That we are a part of.
1: I mean, yes. I mean, we've spoken about it before, but yeah, we are podsyndicate.com. Yes. We are part of a, a new up and coming podcast network. And yeah, there's some really good podcasts out on there. There's, Film Bastards, Chinsrugger vs. Punter, Beyond the Neon, Entertainment Landfill, What's on Tap. Go check the shows out. You will not be disappointed.
2: And we're also writing things. Yes. If you don't have time to listen, you maybe just want something, a quick read. There are articles on there. Everything We're trying to cover a lot of different things in films, pop culture. Yeah there'll be more things about art and music and and everything. Lauren
1: has an article on there about the sort of the upcoming drag scene in the UK.
2: Well, yeah, it's kind of like how uh, what was once seen as being underground is now exploding into the mainstream. Yeah. And how people of a certain age, early 30s, will remember growing up watching dame edna and lily savage and these powerhouses on normal national tv on saturday night
1: yeah yeah
2: um at tea time so uh we've i did i was able to do a little interview with a local drag queen go through that it's all been lots of fun um and john very kindly does all of my pictures because (laughs) i can't photoshop for
1: anything For, no. so yeah, you'll be able to catch that on wearepodsyndicate.com we so yes. definitely go over there but I think we should get started sc- could...
2: I think we should get started yes
1: God. and we're going to start with your film
2: The Master
0: why all the skulking and sneaking Or it cannot be that difficult to come by
1: well it depends on when you're ready to go You shouldn't work in your condition. No, I can work. You're aberrated. I'm not. Know what that means? No. You've wandered from the proper path, haven't you? These problems you have? (laughs) I don't have any problems. I don't know what I told you, but if you have work for me to do, I can do it.
2: You seem so familiar to me. Yeah. So like I said earlier, this is the 2012 Paul Thomas Anderson film. It's got a huge cast. It's massive. Lots of famous people. There's Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, who, by the way, how does she look so old and yet so young at the same time?
1: She is kind of an enigma.
2: She she's like a chameleon. She can just sort of like mold Shed herself her into whatever she needs to be for that role. But she's great. I love yeah. her. Um, Rami Malek. Um, and I I forgot his name. I wrote him down as being Matt Damon's brother, but Jesse not. Plemons. He was really good, and I feel really bad because <laughs> I just don't know my actors. And I know that Matt Damon's yeah. brother is an actor, so I automatically yeah. thought it was him.
1: <laughs> but no, I think I. I I think I've got a challenge for you and I think it's going to go forward in the podcast because we do sometimes get a bit rambly talking about this film's about this, this film's about that. So I've thought of up something of summing up a film, giving us a synopsis in 10 words or less. Can you do it? Yes. Okay.
2: Okay. So for this one is PTSD, which is one word because there's no spaces, sufferer finds solace In a Scientology-like cult.
1: Well, there you go.
2: There you go. (laughs) I did it. So, yeah, that's that's basically it. It follows uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who who plays Freddy. He uh, was in the... World War II. World War II. He was um, in the Navy. Starts off with him on the island while the other... Guys in the Navy and it's kind of obvious I put he was like he's weird. Yes. But then they head back they get um they head back after what and it's kind of obvious that a lot of them have got PTSD. Mm. He seems to be really lacking
1: social skills?
2: Yeah. When I was watching him, there's uh there's a few times Philip Seymour Hoffman who as we get into it, he, he is the master. He is the leader of this cult. Yeah. Says that he acts like an animal. And he does. He's very, very, to quote Freudian psychology, he's very, very controlled by his id. He yeah. has no, he, he's like, I want to have sex. I want to eat. I want to drink. I want to fight. He doesn't, he just instantly reacts to things. He doesn't yeah. think things through, uh, except for how am I going to do this? Yeah. Um. And he's a huge alcoholic, so maybe part of that is from yeah. Well, alcohol. he he
1: makes moonshine in, in a way. He's so that's how he gets in with the 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 Phillips, Yes, he Phillips. does.
2: Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's the one. Uh, the other thing is you actually see a scene of them, and what they're doing is they're they are in in the ship, and they're taking apart part of the ship, and then drinking part of it it looks like water is actually ethanol, which is something that apparently they used to do. They used to take the ethanol and then mix it with the tinned uh, fruit. And be like, yeah, we'll drink that. Like straight ethanol. If it doesn't kill you, it's going to do some sort of brain damage. So, yeah. Um,
1: So what do you think about this movie? uh,
2: I felt like falling asleep, but I don't know if that's just because I'm tired. (laughs) So I I have to say, I... I didn't know what film to pick. Yeah, um, and uh, quite randomly, I found an article uh, when I was trying to look for different films for cults that aren't cannibalistic murder, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing, because they do tend to go very much on With the whole horror murder horror side. But whereas we wanted to look at a cult that is more realistic, kind of, and um. This one uh, was, it was on, I can't remember where I found it, but it was on, it was said about how it was Scientology-based, which is like, ooh, well, that's a very, very new religion. Yeah, yeah. Some people call it a religion, some people call it a cult, or however you want to class it, but it's still very new, but it has garnered a huge amount of followers. Um, so I was quite interested in that I wanted to see, like, you know, how how earth have something so new get started? Mm. Um, and I just feel like it, it was, what, three...
1: Hours to be honest, it was too, it was less, it was shorter than I thought it was going to be. It was two hours, 10 minutes, okay, or two hours, 15 minutes. All
2: okay, right, well, it, I felt like it was just very slow, yes, very, very, very slow. Um, I found it very difficult to understand Wacky Phoenix most of the time, mm-hmm. um, because he was playing a drunk who talked, mumbled constantly, and talked out the side of his mouth, yeah. So I was like, I, I don't know what you're saying. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, brilliant. He got Oscar nomination for this. Can totally see why. Can understand that, man. Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> he had the one of the best diction, everything. He's just really good. Yeah, yeah. But I just, um, I don't know. I felt like
1: it's 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 a it's a different sort of film um, because there is very very little story, and it's all character. Um, and the thing is, you've picked. A film because I said um, I picked a sound of my voice because it, again it's a different idea of cult, but when when we're looking at cult films, uh, films about cults, films about cults, <laughs> uh, it's it's an interesting one because I very very the least interesting thing about a cult is its leader, oh, I so believe no. because for me what I care about is to understand how people and what frame of mind and where they are in their lives to start following this person. Yeah. And and I, with, with Freddie Quell and Joaquin Phoenix's character, there is a magnetic pull between them, both of them. And mm-hmm. it, they do talk about past lives and things like that within the movie. And, I can't argue... They do see... It's like a love story between them. It is. Um, and it's a story about lost souls. And it, I, I I do find it funny because we normally try and give each film about 20 minutes talking time, don't yeah. we? And you could write a thesis yeah. on yeah. this movie about masculinity after the war, about PTSD, mm-hmm. about... Cult. It's got so much going on under the surface. And for me... This is well, we we are getting to the well twenty twenty in forty something days or whatever. Sixty. Sixty think, days.
2: Sixty days I think it is. I think you're thinking of Christmas.
1: Or maybe I'm thinking of Christmas. But this and we've got an end of decade lists. Yeah. And this is in my top ten. Eh. For the end of the decade. Eh. I just feel like it has so much going for it. Um Johnny Greenwood's score is oh, yeah, the unbelievable. So go on. I know. Yeah. I, I, it, I, I can understand how. You I can, think
2: it's really hard because you and I look at films in a completely different way. I wanted. I could see that Freddie was obviously going to be somebody who he needs help and he needs direction. Yeah. But I think anybody who watches this is like that man needs some help. Yeah. So him actually getting into the cult was a good thing they were helping him get out of his alcohol addiction, trying to help him turn his life around, I'm not saying they did brilliantly at it, but at least somebody was trying to help him all all great for me though I would have been more interested in seeing the the, the actual cult itself right. There was a lot on the two characters. But I wanted to be like, okay, you get the relationship with the two characters and then you see Freddy get further into the cult, and more that he learns and the more that happens and he goes through more processing. And that's what I wanted.
1: So, I mean, interesting question. Do you think whilst there he buys into the cult?
2: I feel like, I think it's very difficult. I feel like he wants to believe. I think mm. that he wants to buy into the cult. But at the same time, I wrote down about how he is very staunchly protective mm. of uh, the master.
1: Lancaster Dodd. Yeah, There's he, will, he
2: will fight for him and he'll get told off and he'll go to jail and he'll do everything. Because he feels indebted to this man. Yeah. Because he's helping him. And I feel like it's that that whole bromance that is making him more susceptible to believing. And I feel like he then sees the people in there and see they're doing quite well. Because the people who are in this cult, they're all quite affluent.
1: Mm -hmm. Affluent. Affluent. They're
2: all quite rich.
1: Yes, there we are. Use, use your basic English.
2: Yeah, they've got a bit of cash going on. Yeah. They live in nice houses. One of them has a boat. Do you know what I mean? So he's he's lost jobs. He hasn't got his girl. He's at the end, really. He's down very much. He's homeless. Mm-hmm. He's down on his luck. And he sees these people and he does say, yes, he is jealous. of other people
1: for me I don't think he does I think he doesn't really believe what Philip Seymour Hoffman is saying when he's Mm -hmm. in within the scenes he just likes him as a man and feels a connection to him as a man and that's when he when people threaten the religion or the cause as it's called the cause he doesn't really care but when they threaten him that's Mm -hmm. when he gets protective and when you're saying that he's like an animal when he's Backed into the corner, he lashes out always. Yeah. Um, you got the scene within the um, clothing department store when he's just...
2: He's just been an asshole. Yeah. He's not a likable character. No, he absolutely
1: is not a likable character. He's not a likable character. Nobody's really likable in this movie. At, at
2: all in this. Um, the son.
1: The son, but then at the end, you got—you you, kind of get the sense that he's actually bought into it when he comes and sees him and he's... Um, when they're, when they're in England, it's like, yeah. well, you, if you didn't, like, get out. um. But it's, for, for me, sorry, I've sure a, a cat padding away at my toes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all in the performances. It's, for, for example, you've got that processing scene. Yeah. Um. Again, so, I
2: like to know why they're doing that. Yeah. No explanation. I feel like you have to do a lot of research before you watch
1: this film. (laughs) But that's sort of kind of supposed to be kind of like the Scientology processing. Yes. And it's quite a long scene and it's just two people, just general shots. But that for me is more engaging and exciting than any sort of flying saucer or anything. It's that is electric. I mean you've got two actors who are sort of on top of the form because I mean Philip Seymour Hoffman is well to be honest, both of them are some of the best actors of the last twenty years. Oh yeah. I mean back in Phoenix obviously probably will maybe win the Oscar this year for the Joker, which would be a huge, huge oh, yeah, um, really um thing for com- comical comic book movies. But yeah, it's it's that story of a lost soul that gets me and yet it's not a likable soul no but it's just somebody who's ambling through that period and it's like even the technical place like the art direction of this movie it's like when you have the character who is his sort of girlfriend in the department store mm-hmm. which is walking around and basically selling a dress whilst it's on her yeah just everything around there. It is so beautiful the production design and um, the costumes it's it's designed with an inch of its life. And oh, yeah, definitely. It is, it's, it's, it's other level for me. And I, so I'm quite really happy that you picked this movie because I love this movie. <laughs> this movie. And I haven't seen it in a long time, and I wanted to see it before the decade was out just because I could, it's now, I know it's up there for me. Um, and Paul Thomas Anderson made one of the best films of the the noughties with There Will Be Blood, made one of the best films of the 90s with Boogie Nights and made one of the best films of the teens with the master. He's probably America's leading director at this point. He's very, very, very good. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I kind of want to see. Um, I, did, yeah, Amy Adams, lover. Yeah, okay. He's a, th- a theory.
2: Okay, she's time traveling. She's she's like Keanu Reeves. She's like <laughs> ever age.
1: No, do you believe? Because if you watch her. Uh huh. even when she's not speaking, you can see things going on in her head. Yes, and she's in the background. And yes. there is a, there is a scene within the film where he's typing and she's talking, and it's very much like she's dictating.
2: Yeah, it is. It's like to him she's the So behind it.
1: and he he she sort of lets him think that he is the leader, but she is the because she has control in that relationship. There's a, yeah. there's a, there's a more um. Exposing scene later on, mm-hmm. where she, she literally has him by the balls. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I. That's one of my feelings is that she is actually the brains behind it, and he is he's just the, he's the face. He's the
2: face. The other thing is, um, I need to ask this: the bit where they're at the party. Yeah. only all the women are naked. Yeah. Right, I'm not good with symbolism. Is
1: that real? For me, it's not. I don't think it was. For me, it's Freddie being really bored and you're seeing what he's picturing in his head. Yeah. So he's just... Because none of the guys are naked. No, exactly. It's that all... It. It's just the women. That's for me, he's sitting there, he's sort of kind of drunk and he's just letting his mind wander and it goes to... To be honest, where it goes to a lot of places with him because he's quite vulgar. Incredibly
2: vulgar. Um,
1: vulgar so them. it's... There's so much going on. I love this movie so much. I'm, 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 I'm not disappointed that you don't like it because it's a You're very not pa- it's, it's a very particular movie, and it is. Yeah. It's very slow paced. it's like I remember watching interviews with Peter, um when this came out, and every everyone was like, "Oh, tell me what the film's about. What's the story about?" He was like, "Well, we're very low on story, but we're very high on character, and it's about it's sort of about this. But there really isn't that much going on. It's just." For me, trying to understand and get involved in the people who get involved in cults and seeing how that works. Yeah, and but at the
2: same time, I just feel like it just didn't. It didn't to me
1: answer that. But I That's think I think it. I think you you, you you see the solace that they get from it. Yes. And you see that the comfort that they get from it. Yes. But then. You get, you get to see the cracks of when the second book comes out and some people start questioning yeah, and that's, it. Yeah,
2: and he gets really angry and everything. But at the same time, I'm like, by this point, I'm like, you've barely touched on this cult. Yes. I want more stuff about the cult. You want me to care that he's a writer? Give me a bit more. Hmm. To the moment, all he's done is kind of hypnotise a couple of people to go yeah. and think about what might have happened when they were a man in like the past life. You've not, we don't really get to see a huge amount of that. I think that's what annoyed me about it. I I was, I'm okay if there's not a huge story, but I like to know what is going on. Yeah. And I feel like there was just bits missing. So it says it's about like a Scientology based cult. You don't really see a huge amount of that in the film. So, I know you really liked it. No, actually, left is, me. And that's. It, 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 I think it's all. It's all
1: about what you want from a film, isn't it? I think. I think when the if when the writer makes the film, he tries. He uses the Scientology as a. Is a, not a MacGuffin, but just as a thing to place mm-hmm. these two characters? Because I think, all the director, all the writer, was the same person. Cared about oh, yeah. was those two key characters and not really about the environment, but it seems like you care more about the environment.
2: Yeah, I like to know. I like to know the why. Yeah. It's like we were discussing this yesterday in the car. I hate a horror film, can't watch them. But why is Jason so bloodthirsty? What happened to him? Yeah, you know, I like to know the why. I like to know what's happening and why these people are going this way. And the thing is, he goes. I feel like if it was real, then the master would have been more like, we're going to process you. And he goes, why? Because this is what we do. And he would explain it more. And he would go, this is why we do it. And it's going to make your life better. And it's going to do this. It's going to do this. It's going to do this. we got none of that. He just starts asking him questions. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's your first processing done. And it's like, love, like, Somebody who I I have read bits about Scientology, but somebody who hasn't, they're gonna be so lost. Absolutely. And um, that's why I didn't like it. Give a little bit of a background, so like for some, a general understanding, and I'm sure a lot more people would like it. No, I'm cool.
1: going to say it's slow. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we'll take a break and we'll come I've got back. Some fun facts. Oh, fun facts, of course. Oh,
2: fun facts. So, my first mm. one, which <laughs> I kind of touched on, was that this was Philip Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman's fourth and sadly final Oscar nomination for this film. Yeah. Wacking um, Phoenix's parents actually escaped from the Children of God cult in the 1970s. They
0: did,
1: with River Phoenix.
2: Yes, and Rain Phoenix. Rain Phoenix. But yeah, really good. He was
1: called Leaf at the time. Was he? Joaquin Phoenix' real name is Leaf. You
2: can see why he chose it. Not to be Leaf anymore. Um, There's also a really good documentary in that, which if you watched it, it's really good. Um and my last one's quite sad. Right. At the rap party, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman had his first drink in 23 years, which mm. led to his relapse. So because this film caused him to drink, he got so bored. <laughs> <laughs> he had to have a glass of wine to get over it.
1: See, this is, for me, one of his best performances. Um, he's worked with PTA quite a few times, worked on Boogie Nights, worked on... Um, Magnolia. Actually, he's really good in Magnolia. Um, but yeah, it's that guy is something special, and it's yeah. very, very sad that he he's no longer with us. I you know he was so good. But no, we'll have a break.
0: Yes, now we can have a break,
1: and we'll be back with my
0: choice. Sound of my voice. CS3P combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Round one, Fight! <laughs> Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. (laughs) But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight! You can find us at csvsp.libson.com also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. It just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No. no, just just getting confirmation. It's just That's the third time, though. I mean, I must—is this on? You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day glow sentimentality? To try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political, and historical context. Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testerosa, eject the Wam cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will you not find, find that here. here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will, you will not, not find, find that here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you, you will, will not, not find, find that, that here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube. Mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondneon.co.uk. Peter, I just feel like we're in over our heads with this whole thing you know it's like we started out wanting to make a documentary
1: on cults and now we're in one.
0: Yeah that's investigative journalism.
1: She's dangerous Peter you said that yourself.
0: What do you want to do? You want to go back to our normal lives? That's fine, we can do that. I can teach all day. You can stay home and write and surf the web. And on the weekends, we can get wasted at various art installations or sneak 40s into random foreign films, and then it's suddenly like we wake up and, whoops, where did our 20s go? But somewhere in the valley, there is a woman living in a basement who claims to be from the future. She's actually amassing followers, these people who believe that she'll lead them to salvation, her whatever and yes she's dangerous but we have to see this thing through all the way or we're chumps
1: so yes that was a clip from sound of my voice mm-hmm. the 2011 zal batman i think oh, i made this film batman oh. i think that was pronounced it i don't know i've actually seen a A with him actually he directed a film about another cult called the east I'm um, sorry at Edinburgh Film festival, but um yeah Just he
2: name drop there
1: else yes. but yeah, so this is um I'm trying to think of my ten word synopsis Yep. two filmmakers try to expose time traveling cult leader
2: good nine words nine words now but though is filmmakers one or two one is it hyphenated
1: no Fil- filmmakers, one word. I can see the literally the clock, the hands and the wheels and the the nut working in Lauren's head right now.
2: Honestly, like for anybody who knows me, knows I am shocking at spelling. <laughs> Thank God I live in an age that has spell check. Yeah. Because I can guarantee now, guarantee you now, I probably never have had a job with my spelling. <laughs> can read any word, spell it, no chance.
1: Yeah. Um I didn't mean that to sound so
2: <laughs> No it's true, my mum could totally like vouch for that.
1: <laughs> but this is it's a, a film between Britt Marling and Zal Batman Batman. I'm just calling him Batman. Batman.
2: Batman, so, Batman made this film.
1: Yes. So they actually made a few films together. Okay. Um they also made the Netflix TV series The OA. So Britt Marling is the blonde haired woman, she's she's the cult leader. Yes. She plays Maggie.
2: I've seen her in a few other things. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. She, but she's she works with these two guys, Mike Cahill and and, and Zao, uh, Mister Batman, a, a, a few times. So, like, they sort of were friends in college, and started, started making movies themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is not his first film, but it was kind of his breakout movie, and kind of in a way, one of the the best examples of what you should do when you are making your. Sort of first movie mm-hmm. because it's very sort of small in scope, yeah. Barely any locations, skeleton cast, but still has not too long. It's eighty five minutes long with credits, yeah. And it's thought provoking and engaging. Mm-hmm. At same, like at the same time, and it does so entirely through the circumstance of the characters, um. And I, I I do like this movie quite a lot. I Actually, quite like what these guys do because they they always play something in a high concept and then explore it instead of using the high concept to to only sort of set the story going because mm-hmm. you you live within that cult that they are in. So the cult in this movie is, um, there is what's the word I'm looking for leader. There's a leader. There's a leader who claims to have travelled back from the year 2054. And mm-hmm. um, she's severely allergic to most of the things going around in the world today. Mm-hmm. And she practically mm-hmm. lives in a basement in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. And the people who come and meet have to go through some sort of screening as well. They have to go clean themselves because before they go to see her, and mm-hmm. they have this this special handshake. Yes. So, what did you think about this movie?
2: I liked it. Really, really liked it. I liked it because it explained what the cult was. (laughs) I knew what these people were signing on for, I knew what they were getting into, I knew why they were there.
1: Yeah.
2: Got it. That's why I liked it. It's a nice pace. The people, uh, the main two characters, obviously were in some sort of starter church or something to begin with, um, to then being allowed to like graduate, yeah, uh, because they already knew the handshake and everything. Um, I uh really liked it. I thought it was quite interesting how they used uh Maggie used questions like that off like the Barnum scale, which. Yeah um for people who are unfamiliar with it it's like what um uh, like fortune tellers right would use to gain more information about you and then sort of flip it okay um to be able to be like oh yes well this and this and make it look like they actually are getting messages when actual facts you've kind of already given them the answers mm. in how you've answered like these questions um, which I thought was really good. Uh, everything that she said is—it's very leading questions, very leading conversations, and then very generalized sort of statements. So I thought it was—I do—I I really liked. It. I like the little twist at the end. Yeah, it was a very good twist that I was like, oh, "That is so good."
1: It leaves you with a bit of a shock, doesn't
2: it? It does. just leave you a bit of a shock.
1: I, I, I just like the way it builds up because you start off and it's you don't know what's happening it's that very mysteriously you mm-hmm. they, they, they sort of drive into a thing they get get told to get washed get um sort of not handcuffed but you know what I mean like um zip tied and then then there's this handshake and it's like what what's going on here we don't really understand it and these guys use stuff like that quite a lot like yeah. I, I love um the a handshake thing, because I, I love the physical... It's like why I've always loved um, sign language in, in, in cinema. Because mm-hmm. I just I, I think it looks like poetry when they're doing it. And these guys use not only this handshake in sign of my voice, but in the UA, there is a, a sequence, I think they call it, but it's, it's sort of like a dance. Yeah. So they do it and they use this dance to get through... Into a different dimension, or they bring somebody back from the dead, and mm-hmm. it it looks good on film, you know. Yeah. Um. So you've got all that. You've got Britt Marling, who I'm I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. She really does have a, a a weird energy in this.
2: She does. She does, and I feel like she makes a good cult leader. Yeah. She's got the. She's got very calm, authoritarian, like leadership. But can turn, yeah, it can just turn. Um, so you could, you could see why people would want to follow her. Um, I actually thought that, um, because the two main characters are yeah. Lorna and Peter, yeah. the filmmakers. I actually first thought that Lorna was going to get more into the cult, right? Than Peter was. I felt like she was going to be like fully involved and invested because that's how she played it, mm. and she was really good. Um, and I was just like, so I was a bit, I was a bit surprised when it ended up that Peter was the more invested one. Yeah. In the end, um, I just, uh, like she, she um, talks about like safe, Maggie talks about safe spaces she's going to take them to, but then no details. Um, She gets like one, she makes one guy leave and his wife ends up staying. She's like, yeah, I had to do that because I know her. Yeah. Like. In the when future, when I'm in the future, when I'm a little girl, and she's not with him, yeah. So I had to get him to leave.
1: And I like the fact how it gives enough doubt, yeah. Um, in your mind, and it when it's like you question logic and things like that. So there is a scene in there where somebody asks, it, it's the guy who gets kicked out. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you sing us a song from the future? And she sings "Dreams" by the Cranberries. Yeah. And it's like, well. You, Everybody who listens to that, especially if you're a certain age, you know that song. It's like, well, that's not a song from the future. But then, and it, it really does amp up the idea of this person's a fraud. Yes. Because we do get a second subplot about her, um, maybe you murdering someone in a different state. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the FBI that, coming th-
2: after her and everything.
1: Exactly. But then, in the final seconds, it just turns it right on its head yes and it leaves you with more questions but I don't and I don't think that's a bad thing it it,
2: no it leaves it open to interpretation yeah
1: absolutely and I think that's it's really smart from them I think Um, because you can can imagine being in the cinema watching this movie and ending and be like I want to talk to it about someone I I want to discuss it and say what did you think do you think this because it amps up tension as well really well because there's a scene where Peter swallows a, a transli- the trans- transmitter. So therefore, he's got a camera in his glasses, and it just so happens that this, the day that he does does that, there is a, a purging, um, process that they need to go through of getting rid of sort of bad spirits or whatever. Yeah, um, and obviously he doesn't want to throw it up because he's got a transmitter, and he doesn't know what would happen when. It, it really, it's. Such- I could have thought
2: of so many better ways. Now yeah, not doing that. But yeah, it, it's
1: very simple storytelling, but done very effectively.
2: Very, very good. Yeah, really like that film.
1: I mean, to be honest, it's also like the, the main characters aren't even that likeable either. They It's, yes, they want to expose her, but they're, they're very... They're selfish. Selfish, but also, I mean, and they, I mean they do break up, but they don't look like a good couple. No. They're very combative and they're very sort of, one cares about one... More Th- than the other, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit iffy, but again, he highlights that. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I would love *Sound of My Voice*, and we will we'll get into other films from these guys. Um, I mentioned Mike Cahill; and they made a film called *Another Earth*, which is a very good movie. Britt mm-hmm. Marlon in it, um, and Tom Cruise's cousin. But yeah, I think that's about it for for *Sound of My Voice*.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. Brilliant. I'll go watch that. See for me. Asleep, see that's it. For
1: me, it's two good movies, but I've enjoyed this week. But I think with the tiles I can see in your eyes you were a bit bored by the master. I
2: was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did. Never mind. If you want
1: to have a good nap, watch it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that is probably another episode. I mean, do we know what we're doing next week yet? Yeah?
2: No, but um. Soon we'll have to think about Christmas films.
1: We will. Christmas films are coming up.
2: I already know which one I'm picking.
1: I know which one you're picking.
2: It's the best Christmas film ever made. <laughs> well, and g- I saw Tommy Lenk. Also agrees with me. Actor Tommy Lenk on Instagram. Also agrees with
1: me. If we're going to we get an argument with what constitutes a Christmas movie, though. Does it have to be about Christmas or can it just take place at Christmas?
2: You have to have, like, Christmas in it. And I don't mean... Like a Christmas tree in the back corner of Die Hard. That does not mean Christmas.
1: But Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's
2: not. We're going to go for more. How about if we do a traditional Christmas film and we do a non-traditional Christmas film?
1: Okay, That's, that's a good one. We
2: will do that because then you can make me watch Die Hard. No,
1: I've got another one which is... It takes place at Christmas, which is even a better one. Um, Good,
2: because all I think of when I... Uh, my mum my mom hates Die Hard. My mum doesn't like Bruce Willis. She calls him the man who mumbles. And now every time I see him... See,
1: see that's it for me. I just think he mumbles. She's the era of Moonlighting, where Bruce Willis was, like, the sexiest guy in the world.
2: Yeah, my mum's always been a George Clooney fan. Uh,
1: him and Sybil Shepherd in the 80s in Moonlighting, it was just sexual tension... Everywhere and
2: a lot of mumbling, according to
1: my (laughs) mum. So, but yeah, I think we'll have a think for next week Um, and we'll be back. But
2: I think it might have to be something a bit lighter.
1: A bit lighter, okay? We can do. We can do that. We do a bit of a have a few laughs. Yeah, I will get my mind working. But yeah, I think that is another episode. As, As I say, get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you can get in touch with us. Just. Get involved. Drop us a line. Drop us a line. iTunes reviews, obviously, would help. But yeah, um, I think that is it for this week.
2: Yes. And if you are going to do an iTunes review, remember, five stars. And then just put the last film that you watched. Yeah. Don't have to write anything else, but the last film that you watched. Brilliant. would be great. I would really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.